We're in this series called So That, and we are talking about what God has for our church. As we go into this next season, we know that he has a higher purpose and calling for us, and I believe that he is preparing our church family to go to another level. Many of you, you already love the Lord, you already serve him, and you've been so faithful to him, but I think that all of us, God, he still gives a ceiling to grow, right? Like We can still grow, we can still go higher, and as we go higher, we become ready for God to give us more opportunity and responsibility. And God wants to use this church, you, to reach the lost and to build his kingdom. So it's really, it's gonna be us. We're, we're gonna do it. And God is calling us to follow him and trust him. And I believe that this is an important season for us. So we're continuing today in Hebrews chapter six. And you can turn there in your Bible, starting in verse nine. We're gonna hang out there. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Hebrews chapter six. It says this, we are confident that you are meant for better things. Will you just tell your neighbor, you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by serving the saints as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. This series, So That, is inspired by John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He didn't just love us. He loved us enough to do something. He, he gave. And that, that phrase, so that, it communicates the idea of action and purpose. We are a so that church. We're not a so what church, right? We don't have passive indifferent people here. This is a church that is passionate about what God has called us to do so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus Christ. We wanna be like Jesus, not just like Jesus, amen? In John 13, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, which was like the lowest act of servitude that a person could take on, especially ironic considering he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But he washed his disciples' feet and he said in verse 15, I have set you an example so that you should do as I have done for you, that we would serve one another. In Hebrews 6, 9, it said, you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. I love that because it tells us about the, the transformation that happens in our lives when we are saved. When we accept Jesus and we're transformed, our hearts change, we become like him. That's the new life in Jesus that we experience. Because before Jesus, uh, we are naturally sinful and selfish, aren't we? <laughs> I'm not the only one, am I? <laughs> okay, we got some people here who would admit that, that I, I was self-centered instead of being focused on my savior, I was focused on myself. But that's not how we are anymore. Now that we've accepted Jesus, we went from being selfish to becoming servants. Jesus changes us. We're meant for better things, things that come with salvation. So we're not content to stay where we were. We are not so what Christians. We are so that Christians. We serve so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. And I wanna to talk to you about serving this morning. We are 
about those lost people. We believe that every Sunday is someone's one day, the one day that they meet Jesus, the one day that grandma's been praying for her grandson for years and he finally opens his heart up and accepts the Lord. So that's why we serve and that's why our team serves with so much passion. But I wanna answer a question that maybe is in the back of your mind. And I don't want you to feel bad about this. The question is, what's in it for me? Okay, like, that's just a normal human thing to ask, and, and I'm, not, I'm not surprised. Jesus actually knew that we were going to ask that question, so he answers the question that we were all too embarrassed to ask. Like, well, well what's in it for me, Jesus? Because I know that I'm saved by grace, not by works, so, so why should I serve? Jesus tells us why, so that we'll understand all the blessings and benefits of following him. In Hebrews 6, verse 10, it said, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him. And those of you who are serving faithfully, even when you feel like no one sees, it says, he will not forget. He is keeping a record. Like Santa Claus has nothing on Jesus. Jesus is keeping a record of your faithfulness. And you need to know, it's nice to receive thanks and appreciation for people, from people, but it's even better to receive those from Jesus to receive appreciation and thanks from Jesus who's keeping a record because he has the ability to bless you beyond imagination. I, I, a lot of Christians, they wanna talk about resting in the goodness of the Lord, and we should. There is a time for rest, but there are also seasons of planting and harvesting. Those are seasons of hard work. Both require hard labor. In between those seasons, while the crop is growing, there is time to rest. And we should. But if you never get back to work, your family will starve. And it's true spiritually. If we don't work, we spiritually will suffer. Some Christians, they miss out on the meaning and the, the truth that Jesus was trying to communicate to his disciples and to us. When he told parables, he told parables about masters and their servants and the idea behind these parables was, I'm gonna entrust you with resource, I want you to work hard, and then receive your reward. And he told his disciples, I want you to build, I want you to labor, I want you to make disciples for my kingdom. And, and so the message that Jesus really gives us, if we're being honest, is work hard and labor now, rest and receive your reward later. Okay, we know that's true. So, here's why we should care. We work hard so that we will receive a reward. And we want, it to, be, we want to receive a reward. Like, I, I hope that you want to. I hope that you're looking forward to receiving your reward. One day, as Christians, we're all gonna stand before Jesus. We talked about this last week. And, and we're gonna receive a review of how we served him in this life. It's not to determine whether or not we'll be saved and get into heaven because if you're a believer and you've accepted Jesus into your heart, then you are saved. Your name is written in the book of life. You're not saved by works, by doing good things. You're saved by God's grace. And yet we've been called to serve him as good stewards of what he's entrusted us with. So we'll receive a review. And for some Christians, it's gonna be a bad review. Let's just be honest. And for others, it's gonna be a good review. And your review will determine the amount of reward that you receive from him. And now it's going to be good for everyone. I don't want you to feel too worried. Like if we all went to the Cardinal Stadium together, we all were there to watch the game. Like, you know, we, we'd all be there, but we might have different seats. You know what I'm saying? Like some people are up in the cheap seats. 
eating hot dogs. And if, if you're in heaven in the cheap seats eating hot dogs, you're still going to be super happy that you're there. You're going to have a great time, okay? But I want Generation Church people to be in the owner's suite eating filet mignon, sitting next to the man himself. Because your reward is great. I just want you to have that kind of experience instead. We sing these songs in churches about Jesus going to prepare a place for us. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So there are a lot of these old songs that talk about Jesus uh, preparing our mansion in the sky. That sweet by and by. When I say goodbye, I'll receive my mansion in the sky. Right? And so I, I kind of laughed to myself. I was thinking about this this week because he said in, in this passage we read, God is not unjust. He is a just God. In other words, he will reward in relation to our labor. So I thought about Jesus, our king, who is preparing a place for us. You know, who's, he's a fair and equitable king. So I thought, what if he said, I'm a just king? So the level of generosity with which you invest in my kingdom, I will invest in building materials for your eternal home. And what if he said, the number of hours you spend working on my kingdom, I will spend laboring on your future dwelling place. And what if Jesus said, with the same level of passion and dedication you had for building my kingdom, I'll have for building your future castle for eternity. That really makes you think, doesn't it? Some people would get to heaven and receive the keys to a mansion. And, and some of us would get to heaven and get a sketch on a napkin. Here's what could have been, but you didn't send me much to work with. So I got to ask you, maybe you've been asked this before, are you working hard or hardly working? Honestly, for some Christians, even hardly working would be an upgrade. Some people are like a broken record of excuses for why it's not a good time for them to serve Jesus. And I mean, there are some times when it might not be right. Like if you just had a baby last week, I don't want you running around the parking lot team right now, okay? Just like take a hot second and rest. But, but come on, it's like there's a, an excuse for every possible stage of life. I'm in school. I just got a job. I'm engaged. I'm planning my wedding. I just got married. We just had a kid. Our kid's in school. My kids got soccer. My kids grew up. I just got a job. I just got a promotion. I just got busy at work. I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm retired. I'm dead. It's like, when were you going to get around to prioritizing that whole serving thing? And I'll tell you that for every excuse, I have an example. I have an example of someone in this church who is walking in your shoes, who is faithfully serving the Lord. I think about in our Awatsuki campus, we got people like Nate and Bonnie Bates, the tweets. Uh, we got Vinny Randazzo, uh, Corey Romero on the security team, Stanley and Maria serving with their daughters, Diana Richards serving 30 hours a week in the food pantry. I mean, the, the names go on and on. In Mesa, we got people like, like Phil and Melissa LeBlanc, like Jason and Vanessa Hopkins with their kids still serving the Lord. Renee Calvert in the nursery every week. We got Art and Sherry in CR. We got Keith and Annie greeting people at the door every week here multiple times a day. I got Alyssa Viasquez in school with a job serving in two ministries. Daniel Layson serving in three ministries. David McVeigh just had a baby five seconds ago. He's up here playing guitar on the stage today. I mean, can I get a witness that it... 
And there's hundreds more of you, which I wish I had time to list off. I know your name, but more importantly, Jesus knows your name. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. You need to know. Now, some people, they serve two, three times per week, and not everyone can do that, but everyone can do something. When Jesus reviews your life, is it gonna be a day of regret or a day of reward? I want it to be a day of reward for you, and I believe it will be. In Hebrews 6, verse 10, it said, you have shown your love to him by serving the saints. By serving the saints. The saints are you. Saints is sanctified. That means holy. Those are God's people, his holy people. We are the saints. We show our love for Jesus by serving his people. It's just like for you and I. Like If you say you love me, but you're really mean to my wife, then then we're not going to be friends. It's the same with Jesus. If you say you love him, then you want to serve his bride, the church. You want to love the people that he loves. Do you realize that Jesus emphasizes serving our church family even more than serving outsiders? We should love outsiders and feed the hungry and help the sick, but he prioritizes us serving one another. Just like for you, like your first priority is your immediate family, isn't it? You know, it would be kind of crazy if you, you went out and you fed homeless people, but your kids went hungry. Your first priority is your immediate family. But some people, they've got it backwards. They get more excited about going to Habitat for Humanity than serving in their church's nursery. Now, not everybody's supposed to serve in the nursery. Don't get me wrong. But you get the point. One way that you can love your church is by participating in and even leading a life group. These life groups are so important. It's an environment where relationship and discipleship happens. And one of my staff members came to me recently and said, Pastor Ryan, we do not have enough life group leaders, which is concerning because we have an abundance of qualified group leaders. And I'm worried about that because the rate at which our church is growing, the rate at which people are accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we got more people lined up to be in a life group than Christians who are qualified to lead, willing to lead them. And so I just gotta, I gotta challenge you. I gotta ask you, I mean, why not? Is it a lack of time? Lack of time available? Like, let me just break it down as your pastor. Uh, so life groups meet, like, on average twice a month for about an hour and a half per meeting. Three hours per month. They meet about 10 months per year. That's 30 hours out of 8,760 hours. A little over one day, maybe a little more if you accidentally start to like each other, out of 365 days. If you've got time to Netflix, you've got time to serve. How are we going to go into the world and make disciples if we're not willing to sit down with the people in our own church and make disciples? God's calling us to a higher level. Some of you right now, you're feeling something in your heart. That's not guilt. It's not condemnation. It's conviction, and it's a good thing. You're convinced that what I'm saying is true, and it applies to you. Embrace it. Just embrace it and go with it. It's a blessing. If you're new to our church, you need to know we all have a relationship. So we, this church knows that I love them and that I want the best for them. You're like, challenge us, pastor. Okay, I will. We show our love to Jesus by serving his people. Hebrews 6.10 goes on to say, serving the saints as you still do. Look at this. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as 
as life lasts. So I missed the verse where it says, at a certain point we retire from the kingdom of God. It's because it doesn't exist. As long as life lasts, as you still do, this is a lifetime calling that Jesus calls us to in service. Doesn't mean you have to serve in the same exact position, in the same ministry for the rest of your life. You should be raising people up and, and replacing yourself and teaching others to, to serve as well. You should be growing in responsibility and opportunity. As I was praying about this message, I realized I need to do a better job as a pastor teaching our church to have the proper mindset of a servant. I realized we live in a world where volunteering is pretty common. It's in vogue. It's, it's volunteering, and I worry that some Christians have taken on the mindset of a commonplace volunteer. I told our staff just last week, we are no longer gonna use the noun volunteer or the verb to volunteer. From now on, we use the noun team and the verb to serve. We're still changing out some of the materials, okay? I just told him this, because there's a big difference. If we're gonna be a so that church, we have to understand that a team is so much more effective than a group of volunteers. The mindset is different. When you think about a volunteer, volunteering is a temporary act of kindness. It's something you do where you say, I'm gonna do this good thing because I'm a nice and caring person. And you might be, that's not a bad thing, it's okay. But the mindset is different for a team member. A team is a permanent status, and we have a permanently changed status as citizens of God's kingdom. We don't do temporary acts of kindness. Volunteers, they, they, they accept an invitation to serve on Sunday, but then they wake up a lot of times, and they'll, they'll decline and cancel the last minute because they stayed out too late on Saturday night, and their mindset is, well, I don't owe you anything. I'm just a volunteer. You should be happy that I even showed up. A volunteer tells his team leaders, like, who are you to tell me how to serve? You should just be happy that I'm here. It's totally different than a team. A team is committed. A team sacrifices. A team knows if I don't show up, I hurt my team. People are depending on me. Team members are expected to show up ready and prepared. Team members play hurt because they want to be there for their team. They know people are counting on them. Team members, they give it all they've got. Because they're committed to the cause. They've taken it on. And for some of us, maybe you need to think about it in this sense, as a business sense maybe. We need Christians who stop thinking like employees and start thinking like owners. <laughs> employees, they just do the minimum required to get paid, a.k.a. the minimum required to get into heaven. Owners say, I got a stake in this thing which you do as children of God set to inherit a portion of the kingdom which you build. Wow, we gotta think like owners. We gotta own this thing which has been entrusted to us so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. We don't just volunteer, we serve, we labor. It's not a nice moment, it's a lifelong calling. I don't wanna stand before Jesus and talk about the handful of times I volunteered. I want to be able to say, Lord, I gave you everything I had. You changed me from the inside out. You changed me in every way. You changed my status from selfish to servant. I poured myself out for you. Lord, I wanted to honor you. That's what I want for you. I, I, I want you to be able to stand before God and, and be able to honestly say, I poured myself out for you. We cannot accomplish much with volunteers, but we can change the world with a team united in service so that people far from God 
can know the same Jesus we know. In Hebrews 6.12, it goes on to say, you should serve because then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. What's in it for me? Well, this is another part of that. Then you will not become dull and indifferent. Serving others keeps you spiritually sharp and passionate about the cause of Christ. The reason some of you might not feel passionate about your relationship with Jesus is because you're not engaged in the mission which he has called you to. The greatest inhibitor to the cause of Christ is an apathetic Christian. Satan does not need you to be addicted to drugs or pornography. He just needs you to be apathetic. He doesn't care if you have a good marriage or if you know a lot of scripture verses as long as you stay apathetic. Apathetic Christians, apathetic Christians, uh, pathetic. Apathetic Christians are pathetic Christians, aren't they? Jesus called them lukewarm because they're not effective. They're not good for anything. And God loves you, but he has not called you to be an apathetic Christian. We keep serving so that we won't become lazy and dull. Working hard or hardly working. Oh, there's another category I didn't get to yet. Those are welfare Christians. Christians that come to church and feed off the hard work and labor of other believers while never contributing to the cause. There are genuinely good reasons why a person might need to be on welfare in this physical world, but there is no reason to be a welfare Christian. A welfare Christian is content to let someone else carry his share of the burden and benefit from someone else's sacrifice. Now, I've got to encourage you, if you're one of those people who are sacrificing and serving and carrying someone else's burden, remember, he will not forget how hard you have worked for him. You will receive your reward. God is just, but God didn't save us to sit back and enjoy the good life. Serving Jesus is the good life. That is the new life he called us to. Wow, Pastor Ryan, this is really intense. It's like, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if we lose a few lazy Christians in the short term so we can be a healthy church in the long run and produce good fruit. It's not intended to be a guilt trip, but a wake-up call so that you won't be apathetic. Anything that you engage in and work on and invest in, it's impossible for you to be indifferent about that thing. If you work on your marriage, you will not stay apathetic towards your spouse. When you work on your business, you will not be indifferent about it. It's impossible to serve in God's church and stay indifferent and apathetic as a so what Christian. You won't do it because God knows that love leads, uh, labor leads to love. It's just a natural result. When you work on it, when you invest in it, your time and treasure and abilities, you will come to love his church, his bride in a new way. You will love it the way that he loves it. So how can you do this? I'm gonna give you a couple practical things. One, we make it really easy to get involved and serve in this church. We have a class called Generation 101. It's the first and third Sunday of every month. And in this class, you learn about how to get involved and serve and how to get connected to different teams. And you could potentially start serving as soon as the next week in some of these teams. Next week, we're having it on this campus during all three services, uh, 9, 30, 11, and 7 p.m., so that you have plenty of opportunity. I'm believing that those classes are gonna be packed out with people who are like, it's time for me to step up so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. 
in Hebrews 6, 11, and 12, it goes on to say, he wants you to serve each other so that what you hope for will come true. You will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. This chapter goes on to use Abraham as an example. Abraham was promised some great blessings from God, a child and the land to inherit as his own. And he had to wait quite a while to receive those things. He continued to serve the Lord faithfully. He was called a righteous man after God's own heart. He pursued those promises. And eventually, through his faithfulness, he received those promises. What he hoped for came true. And it's the same for us. We need to serve the Lord faithfully and with endurance, knowing that his promises for us will come true. He will continue to bless us as we're a blessing to others. That means, that means this, when you are a servant-hearted team member, you show up with this question, how can I serve you? You don't show up and saying like, I'll get involved if I can be the starting quarterback. That sounds like a volunteer, doesn't it? I'll, I'll help out if I can preach on Sunday and lead worship. Like that, that's not how a servant thinks. A servant says, how can I serve? I'm willing to serve anywhere I'm needed because understand, your faithfulness will reveal your character and your competency. And as you are faithful, God will reward you with greater opportunities and responsibilities and even blessings as you continue to serve him with endurance. Serving Jesus is a labor of love. And my prayer is that you'll be able, at the end of your life, to echo the words of the Apostle Paul at the end of his life. He said this in 2 Timothy. He said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. In other words, I gave it everything. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. That's our hope. We endure so that our hopes will come true. We wanna be able to stand before our king and honestly say, I have poured myself out for you, Lord. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. And I did it not to earn your love, but because I've already received your love. And I just wanted to love you in return by loving your people. Serving others is how we can be like Jesus. Amen? Can you stand to your feet this morning? As we get ready to close up this message and think about how we can apply this to our lives, I pray that you'll, you'll put yourself into this moment. Just, just kind of put yourself here and think about what it'll be like when you stand before Jesus someday. And you know that he loves you and you know that he's gonna welcome you into his kingdom. But I'm praying that as a believer, we'll all be able to hear the words that the master spoke to his servants in Matthew 25. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Come on in and enjoy the reward that you have earned. I've been waiting to give it to you. I'm hoping that when we as a people uh, arrive in heaven someday, that people there kind of panic. They'll be like, uh, the generation church people are here. Get the big rewards ready, somebody. And they'll be like, oh, my back. I'm carrying, carrying out these big rewards all the time. We love the church, right? We have the same last name as God's holy church, but our first name is Generation. So we wanna love this church. 
We are Generation Church, and we have a reputation to uphold. I'm praying that as you go out into this community and you talk about how you love Jesus and serve him, that people will think you're crazy. That's my prayer. My prayer is that you come off as super weird. When your friends are planning a party and you say, sorry, can't make it to your party because my team needs me. I've gotta be with my team. I'm committed to this cause. And people will be like, why? Why, what, what would it, why, what's, what's the deal? And you'll be able to say, so that my love for Jesus will show. So that I will receive a reward. So that I stay sharp. So that my hopes will come true. So that people far from God can experience the same new life that I've experienced in Jesus. And, and people are gonna be like, you go to that church, Generation Church? Is that that church where, where you're expected to do stuff? Like take care of other people's babies? Come early and stay late? Be nice to old people who like different music than you? Is that is that, that church? You're like, oh yes, we are so that church. That's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. Would you bow your heads this morning? Maybe you're here and you say, I want to be a part of what God has invited me into this family of Jesus Christ. I wanna be a part of his kingdom. I wanna become a son and daughter of God. And you can take that step of faith today. Maybe you're one of those people who's been running from God for years or for your whole life. And you know that you need to stop and turn to him and receive the love that he wants to give you. You wanna receive the forgiveness that he offers. And you wanna become a part of his family. You can do that today. You can take that step of faith and receive the forgiveness of sins and salvation that guarantees you an eternal reward. It's so good to be a part of God's family. If you're ready to take that step of faith today, I just wanna give you an opportunity to do that. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. It's a guarantee. So if you're ready today to take that step of faith, it's not something you have to earn. It's not something you can ever deserve. It's something you receive as a free gift of God's grace because he loves you. So if you wanna do that today, I'm just gonna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness, but I recognize that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he died on the cross for my sins and paid the price that I deserve to pay. He rose again from the grave so that I could have victory over death and receive eternal life. So I wanna follow him for the rest of my days. I wanna serve others as he has served me. Help me to do that, Lord. I love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate with you and recognize what God has done in your life. We're not going to embarrass you, but on the count of three, I'm just going to have you shoot your hand up so we can celebrate. If you just accepted Jesus today, one, God loves you. Two, welcome to his family. Three, just shoot your hand up. That's amazing. Anybody else say, that's, oh, that's me. I accepted him today. So good. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else say, that's me. Come on, church. We are dedicated to being a so that church because God is good and he deserves our best efforts. He deserves our praise. He deserves our faithfulness because he has been faithful to us. Amen. Let's make this our commitment today.